and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one beautiful page of Talmud every day. And beauty is at the heart of today's stuff, Tanit 13. Have a listen to this, shall we say, complicated little passage. A grown woman, meaning a girl over 12 and a half, who is old enough to be married, is not permitted to render herself unattractive during the days of mourning for her father, as this would adversely affect her chances of marriage. The Gemara infers that this halacha applies only to a grown woman, whereas a young woman, a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, who is not yet old enough to be married, is permitted to render herself unattractive. I struggled mightily with this passage, which is why I have the pleasure of inviting back to the show one of my absolute favorite writers, educators, thinkers. She is so many things to so many people, uh, including the director of education at the fantastic initiative 929 English. She is the one and only Shirahek Kohler. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be back. It's been a while since Brachot, so it's great to be here and to see how you've grown. You know, we we blink an eye and here we are in Tanis. And Shira, I, I read this passage and I'm, I don't know, a little bit uncomfortable. Help me out here. Yeah, this is a bit of an odd passage and it does create a bit of discomfort in whoever reads it in whatever moment. I would want to start with just contextualizing it because what's really interesting is that it really bothers us, but actually it's brought in and it's raised as a very tangential passage. It's ancillary to the conversation. So to situate ourselves in terms of context on this DAF, we're actually back to a legal discussion. Right? The last few days of DAF Yomi have been in the realm of Agadita. We've been in the homiletic world, in the narrative world. And now we're back in you know, my sweet spot with my legal background, but we're, we're back in law. And the discussion is sort of this, this discussion about to what extent on public fast days and then on days of mourning, can we shower, can we bathe ourselves? And there's a long convoluted back and forth discussion about, well, is showering, bathing yourself permitted? And if so, with hot water and cold water, and there's back and forth. And this text then makes its way, in a text that has to do with mourning, it makes its way into the discussion and as a proof text. Right? First, it's brought as a challenge, and then actually it's reread as perhaps a corroborating text. So in this big disagreement between two rabbinic sages, Rechista and Rava, um, third, fourth generation rabbinic sages, who are debating. It is just first and foremost brought in as an ancillary text. So I think that's just to situate where we're at with this particular text. But it's a sort of moment for us to say, hold on, let's think about the process of mourning as a reflection of what it means to be human. When we think about this text, there's actually a disagreement. There's a machlokas about what this text actually means, right? Is it that a woman has to make herself look beautiful once she's of maritable age? Or is it that she's just allowed to make herself look beautiful during the mourning period, which right. normally a mourner would not be allowed to, right? So we're, we're talking about a very specific moment and 12 and a half years old, this woman has reached a status of bulgaris, age of maturity. Again, with our modern sensibilities and consciousness, that seems jarring. But let's put ourselves right back to millennia, to a different age and a different moment. But those are the kinds of things that right, we're looking at in terms of, is this, an, is this obligatory? What does that mean about beauty? What does that mean about her role? What does that mean about her relationship to the mourner? And on the other hand, or is she just allowed to because she's kind of in a different state of consciousness? So. You know, when I think about this text and I read this text, it really prompts me to think in two directions. 
about the relationship between mourning and marriage and beauty. And the first really has to do with just the overall appropriateness of thinking about marriage and even maybe actively facilitating finding that mate, a suitable mate during a time of mourning, which is what we've got here, right? Like she, she's not allowed to make herself look ugly. Perhaps we might say she even has to make herself look beautiful because we don't want to minimize any chances of, of her getting married. And it actually might seem like counterintuitive, right? Or really inappropriate to have one's mind on marriage during the Avelut period, right? When we look at this, right. it seems like jarring. <laughs> but I think actually the opposite might be true. And we all, it's okay, I'm going to draw on experiences from my own life and family <laughs> Shiva, to kind of bring into this context when my father was sitting Shiva for his father more than 24 years ago. So I really, I remember very clearly sort of all the details are really vivid in my mind. I was a junior in college at the time. And after the first, you know, couple of days of Shiva, which were really raw, and then things became more lighthearted. My father, who's a, a rabbi, a professor, a political science professor, a law professor, really a community person, suddenly at Shiva was taking on this role of being a shadcha, right? Of being <laughs> matchmaker at the Shiva house, right? We could write like a short story sketch about this. It was a tight world from where we were coming, world of Yeshiva University, and lots of his students, former students, current students were coming to pay Shiva visits. My friends, my sisters, my cousins. I mean, it was this festive social event, tons of food. It actually felt like quite wonderful. And my father, and this is totally uncharacteristic of him, but suddenly he was like, okay, we're going to orchestrate who's sitting next to who and who ends up in the kitchen together having a bagel and locks at the same time. And we're going to match make all these different couples. And Shira, make sure that you know X is, meets Y. And I was like, daddy, what is wrong with you? This is so odd. You're sitting shiva. Like, why are you doing this? This is not a speed dating, you know, shiva visit, shiva house. Um, there's the mourner. And at the time, I really, I thought it was strange. It kind of bothered me. You know, what are you trying to do at this moment? But now, thinking about it, and thank you for giving me the chance to think about it, 24 years later, having experienced a bit more of life and <laughs> of loss and of relationships, it really makes a lot of sense. And here's where I think, you know, this kind of itig material, this brighta, gives us something to, you know, to reflect upon about the moment and the relationship between mourning and you know, marriage or relationships. It really makes sense that a moment like Shiva, right, one of great loss, one of mourning, is one that we would also be thinking about unions and thinking about partnerships and thinking about life going on and all the relationships of all kinds, really, being built. Right? The moment of Avilut is one where everything but the essential is stripped away from us. So the focus is, of course, on the deceased and marking the loss of the deceased and marking the loss of a human life in this world. The focus is also, of course, on the mourner, their needs, their psychological needs, their emotional needs, and figuring out a way to say, how are you going to reemerge from this period of grief? And so the idea that at that moment, we'd be thinking about how to bring an Avel out and bring them back up through relationships. And maybe that relationship is marriage, yes, but maybe that relationship is actually something else, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be marriage, but just that sense that we're bringing you out of this 
through this process and we're creating that context. And back back into the world. So that, that's one avenue that I think about when I, you know, when I look at this, it's not merely about, oh, you need to make yourself look gorgeous so that somebody will be attracted to you. But actually, it's a larger question of what are the things that matter in bringing you back into the world um, in a slow, gradual process? And are you allowed to show those parts of yourselves Right, so that you can reemerge from this state of shock and grief and mourning. That is so, so beautiful. Cher Hikola, thank you so much for being our guest. It is my pleasure. I'm happy learning, everyone. I'm looking forward to learning together again. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia, with help from Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>